Do you feel like you've had a bit of a pivot in your business lately? Hi, I'm Candace, and over the last six months, I spent 300 hours talking to clients in eight different countries. I asked the question, how can I serve them even more? And the Align Your Business Summit was born. I handpicked 16 powerful, heart-centered business entrepreneurs, conscious leaders, and visionaries to help support you in your pivot with their wisdom and lots of free gifts. Please join me for the next 16 days here on the Intuitive Business Podcast for your first step to move into the next level of you. Speaking of steps, step number two is sign up for my free gift of a live group Akashic Record reading. All you have to do is go to bit.ly forward slash align summit to sign up for emails that will lead you to your free gift, a live group Akashic Record reading where you too can ask questions from the wisdom of your soul. See you there. Hi, everybody. And today I would love to introduce my guest, Lisa Taylor on the Line Your Business Summit. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm going to read her bio. As a young girl, Lisa wanted to know God. She wanted to understand the power she inherently sensed was the only real power. She had visions and intuition at an early age, which cultivated an even deeper yearning to seek truth and a desire to study the spiritual laws of the universe. Then at 18, Lisa had an experience that changed her life forever. She experienced the perfection of God, mind, love, and all. She saw the reality of no death or time or fear and the allness of one mind, the expanding consciousness and the truth that love is all. She knew without a doubt that healing was possible. In that moment of knowing, Lisa was faced with a choice, leave the planet or stay and put the truth into practice. She decided to stay and we're all grateful for that. And for the last 40 years, Lisa has strived to demonstrate the truth that she experienced that night grown in her understanding and practice of divine law. She shared intuition and healing with all those who have crossed her path. I would love to welcome you, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you. Wow. It's, it's really interesting to hear your bio back to you. Thank you for sharing that bio and the power of it. So here we go. You mentioned at 18, I'm so excited to hear about this, by the way, that you had an experience that changed your life forever. Can you please tell us about that and how it did change your life forever? You know, I have to start a little bit before 18 because I grew up, as the bio mentioned, from a very early age, just wanting to know more of God, wanting to know more of what is this power that I feel 
that I feel so aligned to that I'm learning about in Sunday school and life and, you know, just kind of going through things. So by the time I got to 18, I actually was just in college and was hanging out with a boyfriend. We'd, we'd um, gone to a movie. We were coming back. We were walking around the block, just kind of talking. And we were talking about UFOs, actually. We were talking about higher intelligence and UFOs. And if, if, a, if a ship landed in front of us right now, you know, he asks me, would you go? And I had, there was like not a shadow of a doubt that I would go, that I would get on that ship and I would leave. And I honestly think, I look back on this now, and I honestly think that that place in thought where I was, where I was completely open to the idea of being shown something higher, something beyond what we experience in the 3D, I think that receptivity of thought where I was in that moment was what led to this experience. And when I describe it to people, and for a long time, I didn't talk about it at all because I thought people would thought it was nuts. But when I have described it to people, and it hasn't been that often, so here we go, <laughs> people have said, oh, you had a near-death experience. Because I guess, and I haven't read a lot of near-death experiences because I wanted to write my experience first and not be influenced by that. It does sound very similar, though as far as I know, I was not dying there was a moment in the experience when I definitely had a choice to stay or to leave. So we're walking around the block, we're talking about higher intelligence, and all I can do is describe what happened in that moment for me. We're walking along side by side, it's dark out, just in the neighborhood where my mom lived, and he's talking to me and chatting. And what was going on inside my head was, every time he would say a word or I would hear a phrase, like my thinking was going so fast that words were slowing things down and eventually, and I was getting more and more frustrated, eventually the only thing that would come out of my mouth was no words, no words. Like that's all that I would say to him because there was something happening in thought that was just going at light speed. And I was starting to experience more and more that, that higher energy of perfection all some call it the higgs field in quantum physics it's now there's a different understanding of you know particle physics that there aren't actually particles that it's just strings of energy what we experience in 3d which i didn't know at the time but now i understand is these energy strings are slowing down to the point where they appear three-dimensional and we perceive them as solid when in fact there is no solid matter it's all just strings of energy. So I think what was happening in this experience was the energy was speeding up more and more and more. So I couldn't relate to one words because they were just constraining thought too much. And I just couldn't, I had no patience for it. It was like no words. So by the time we got back to the house, he actually was so frustrated with me that he just went down to the basement or into the guest room, went to bed. And I went up into the kitchen. And at, at this point, I'm starting to hear sort of commands. I'm hearing what I need to be doing. So I, I'm like, I just remember staring at a light switch. I mean, this all sounds kind of weird, but I'm just going to describe what happened. So I'm staring at a light switch and I'm drinking this glass of orange juice and I hear, put down the glass. So I put down the glass. So 
I'm going to try to give you the Reader's Digest version because it gets too long. What happened over the course of, I don't know how much time, because I honestly have no idea. Time just disappeared in the midst of all this. So I have no idea how much time passed during this experience. But little by little, I started losing the feeling in my body. There was a moment where my hands were on the counter and they were, I felt them kind of sliding back. And I thought, oh, if my hands go off the counter, I'm going to fall back. And instead of falling back, I felt myself go up. Like whether I levitated or not, I have no idea. But that's just what it felt like. I was, I was hearing ideas. And you know the way you like get an idea, you hear it, you kind of think it, you decide, am I going to think that or not? And then you sort of do something with it. There was no separation between mind and mind expressed, between mind and idea. Like mind and idea were one. There was an instantaneity about mind and the expression of idea. And in that instantaneity, everything was available to consciousness. It was like being like hardwired, plugged into all intelligence, mind with a capital M, hardwired to God like knowing all. It was like everything was available. So all of these things sort of popped up. One was like a Sunday school class I had in college where we were talking about people's identity and identifying people as they look. And then the teacher challenged us to identify people as qualities. And then he did it with places on the planet. And I'd been to Paris as a kid. So I chose Paris because of the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe. And there were physical distinctions that I could remember. And then he said, okay, do it with qualities. And then he started talking about thought travel. Well, this whole experience of this class came to me in an instant. And the next thought was prove it. And then I'm standing, looking up at the Eiffel Tower. People are passing me and I'm hearing French. And as soon as I know I'm there, I'm back in my kitchen. Thought travel possible. There is no matter. There is no time. There is no space. So that was like one little example. Then I'm starting to, then I'm, and meanwhile, I'm kind of losing the feeling in my body. And I lose the feeling in my body all the way down to my feet. And my, my feet are like lead heavy, like all the weight of my body is in my feet. And for whatever reason, I just had this knowing that if I lose the feeling in my feet, I'm not coming back to my body. That was just kind of there, that, that was just a thing that was there. I am outside my body looking at myself standing there. I go out like, and I don't, it's not like astral projection where I've read where people kind of go on a silver thread and they go up through the roof and out. Then all of a sudden, so it was kind of like jump cuts. Like then I'm out in space and I'm looking out at the stars, not up to them. I'm like in the universe kind of looking out at things then i'm back so all of these experiences are happening in the midst of this that are just conf confirmations one after another of there's no time there's no space there's no fear i felt this overwhelming sense of love there was absolutely no fear absolutely no doubt there was no sense of time or space there was this this unbelievable expansive thought that just filled me. You know, when you get inspired 
and your your your, your mm-hmm. eyes kind of well up with tears. Yeah. It was like that on steroids. It was like that. Tears were streaming down my face the whole time. I mean, it all sounds a little wacky. Mm-mm. No, I get it. But there was this overwhelming sense of love, uh, of perfection, of allness, of healing was normal. That anything that was outside of this or suggested itself as outside of this, because you can't get outside of all, but anything that suggested itself as not a part of this was able to be seen clearly as an illusion and not real and not having power and therefore healing would occur. So the spiritual laws of the universe were basically just dumped in my lap. I'd been studying them all my life because I'd grown up studying them, but this was like confirmation, clarity. This is why you're, so this is why you're on the planet. So I get to a point where it's very clear. I have to make a choice. And I kept thinking about my brother and this boyfriend I was with at the time that I wanted to, like, I get, I kept thinking, this is so cool. This is so cool. I want to share this. Mm-hmm. So it got to a juncture where I had to choose. And it was a very clear point of choice. Do you want to stay or do you want to go? And it kind of goes back to the conversation with the boyfriend. If, if a UFO landed right here in front of you, would you go? It's like, do you want to go or do you want to stay? <laughs> so it was kind of a very pointed moment. And I, and I knew that if I went, I wouldn't come back. So I decided, okay, I want to stay. I want to share this. I want people to know that this is the reality. I want people to know that this is possible. So then all of the kind of physical effects that had gone on where I'd lost the feeling in my body and there was like me being aware of sort of the physical body me and the spiritual body me, all of that started working backwards. So I was, I became aware again of having a body and all of that. And I got to the place where I was in my body and I started, you know, when your foot falls asleep and you get pins and needles, Mm -hmm. it was like, everything was pins and needles. It was like, and I, I honestly, when I opened my eyes, eventually, I don't know time, but uh, I wasn't sure whether I was actually there. Like, I didn't know, am I alive or dead? Am I here in the kid? Like, I didn't know. So all I could do was like, touch the wall and touch the, like I was touching stuff. No one was around. It was dark. I didn't know. So I walked downstairs and, and was starting to call for my friend. And all I could do was like, hold his hand and go, okay, like, okay, so this is real. I am here. Like I really needed to connect back to being human in this realm and understand that in fact, I was here. Like some people have said, oh, you just had a dream. Well, this was no dream. I've had lots of dreams. This was an experience. This was not me dreaming about stuff. This was me living through stuff. So the next day, um, we went to the beach. He asked me a bunch of questions. And I honestly think that because he got me to remember it the next day, that it stuck with me more. Uh, It took me, I would say, three months because this happened at the beginning of a summer. It took me the whole summer, really, to get my feet back on the ground. All I wanted to do was run up to people and shake them and go, don't you understand? This isn't real. Like, don't you get, like, it really, it was like this completely disjointed experience where I knew stuff, 
but I wasn't seeing it in this realm and it, it was making me a little crazy. So I, at one point came home, this was just a couple days after the experience, I came home and I started hearing and I started writing and it was like taking dictation and I started writing stuff down. I had a sense that, okay, this is why I'm here to share this understanding, to share this knowing, to share this, not the experience per se, but the conviction that there are these laws of the universe that exist. And I'm not certainly not the first one to say this by a long shot, clearly not. And I think everyone has access to experiencing what I experience. I don't hold myself as special or unique or separate or any of that. This is available to everybody. And I just happen to have it at an early enough age where I realized that this is why I'm here. This is what I care most about. And so 40 years later, I finally decide, you know what, Lisa, if you're not going to do it, like if you're not going to do it now, you're never going to do it. So you better like get to it. So I've been avoiding that for quite some time. I've always had a spiritual practice. I've always helped people. I've always sort of helped be kind of a spiritual mentor and guide and do all of that and heal. But it's always been on the side. So I'm finally at a place in my life where it's like, you know what, put it front and center. Let this be who you are solely so that you can do the work that you're meant to do here on the planet. And I'm, I've gone on way too long with that short story. That was not the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> oh my God, Lisa, I like took notes. I have comments. Oh my God. <laughs> so the, the first thing is I totally didn't expect that because usually when you read something like that, it, it has to do with a near-death experience, not just like walking around talking to a boyfriend and then boom, um, the whole universe opens up. And I just want to clarify so that people understand, because a lot of times I've talked to people who have like ayahuasca experiences and even like one of the founders of the ayahuasca, uh, he had an experience that like he saw the whole universe. So this was real and you weren't using anything. I was not high. I actually have never smoked, never drank, never taken drugs, even medicinal drugs. I've never taken substances at all. I even avoid caffeine. So I am so not <laughs> influenced. I, I just don't want my thought to be influenced by an external thing. Mm -hmm. And I've always been like that since I was a kid. Like I care too much about my, because I know that thought governs my experience. Like I've known that from little itty bitty. And so I never wanted anything to influence my thinking to change I just didn't ever want, I just never had a desire for that. So no, I was not high. <laughs> I was not well, on I, drugs. I was <laughs> not having one of those experiences. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that because, um, you know, like I said, I've read experiences like that. So I do have some really great, I think great comments. So one of the two of the people that, um, that I'd like to refer that, about what you were talking about, there was a Deannon Brinkley um, embraced by the light. He wrote the book and he actually had a near death experience with electricity, with lightning. He was on a cordless phone and I've actually met him in person once. And his book, uh, talks a lot about, not a lot about, but exactly what you were saying. Yeah. But as, as he was passing, like he experienced all of that, like universal love, but he was passing and he had a choice to stay or to leave. And he also chose to stay. He said he was an SOB as a husband and as a person. He had a complete life change. And um, he said the other thing, he had a life review. 
And so he saw who he was and he didn't like it. And so huh. he came back a different person. Then he got hit by lightning. I'm not, I'm not laughing. Sorry, Dannon. But he got hit by lightning again. And what he saw. What are the what, odds? Probably statistically like crazy. impossible. But yeah. he said the second time he got hit by lightning, he had another life review. And it said um, he saw a woman and she was opening a door to go into an apartment complex. And he grabbed the door for her and said, let me help you. Have a great day. What he didn't know, and he never knew in his current life that he's still living, um, was that she was about to commit suicide and that oh, changed wow. her life. And he said, so now one of the things he realizes when he hugs somebody, he says, I hug them so genuine and so much. He said, because I understand number one, the power of love, number two, the power in that hug. And he says, when you hug somebody, you get it back in the end of your life. So I wanted to say that about Deannon Brinkley, Saved by the Light. And the second person that had a similar experience, again, she actually passed. She was having a hysterectomy and they have her documented death at at least 20 to 30 minutes. And she passed and she went to the other side and she struggled because she came back but she remembers it all on the other side. So like mm. she became a flower, she became a flower. And so she saw colors that don't exist. So when she came back, she took paintbrushes and she painted these bizarre colors in all of her room. So when people have experiences like that, my experience has been that it does forever change the life. Uh, and the perception of that person. So thank you so much for, for sharing that because I, I believe in what you were saying. So the thing that it left me with more than anything is that conviction of the reality of, and I don't always, I'm not always as conscious of it as I was in that moment, obviously, um, because I get distracted or whatever, but the, I know, I know that that's real. Like, I have no yeah. doubt that that is real. And that's the thing that helps me see it for others if they're struggling and they can't. It's like, I, I can know for them until they can see it. And right. that's cool. I mean, that's just a really cool thing to be able to give people. Oh, I, I definitely, obviously, you know, I read the Kashuk records. So I'm very passionate about that. The, the last thing or of, of regarding this I wanted to talk about was that spatial sense of time. So one of the books, um, it's called Science and the Akashic Records, talks about exactly that time warp. I bet you 10 to 1, if I was standing next to you, it probably would have been 1 to 2 seconds. Oh, probably. Or you know, less. It's like, it's a half yeah. of an at you. Like, at, experience, chew, done. <laughs> yeah. So, um, because when I'm in the Akashic Record field, I see books, like a volume, literally like a volume of, of things that I could write from that one hour. This is like getting to be my spiritual geek out moment with you. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, what's interesting is I, I think one of the, one of the things, the 40 years from then until now, and it's not that I haven't had many other experiences similar to that. Um, there, there are several, I mean, anyway, there are several like, like questioning is death real? and then getting an answer in a way. So we can get back to that and I can tell you in a second. But 
one of the things that this sort of 40 year 40 years in the wilderness has taught me it comes down to two things one desire and two daily practice like if you don't have a daily practice and that's why i am like the biggest proponent of a daily practice because people who don't have some kind of daily spiritual practice everybody talks about physical fitness nobody talks about spiritual fitness it's like we need to be spiritually fit because our life depends on it and if we don't have the spiritual muscle available to us to lift the heavy things when the heavy problems come up if you're not fit spiritually you don't have the strength to handle it no and and that daily practice, that daily spiritual workout is what gets you there. So I am a huge proponent of that. And the desire, if you don't have a desire to grow, to learn, to expand, to transform your thinking, you're not going to do it. So it really does start with desire. I mean, desire is prayer. So you can't lose if you sort of trust that desire to the universe and to God. Um, if you're not comfortable with the word God, totally get that. You plug in love, plug in truth, plug in universe, sure. plug in his field, like whatever. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter what you call it. Just call on it and get to know it. It's like, if we're all from source, from source energy, we're all expressions and manifestations of that. If you want to know who you are, get to know source and you'll get to know who you are. I totally agree with that. So I want to talk about, you mentioned um, daily practice and spiritual fitness. And I, you interviewed me on the Intuition Chronicles. And I said, I believe intuition is a muscle and that, that it's a practice, that it's, sure. yeah, it's given to us. Uh, but in order to develop it to a level where we could use it on this earth, I do believe in spiritual fitness. So tell us a little bit about your daily practice and how to be more spiritually fit for our businesses. Or Yeah, for I would love to. I, I have several components of my daily practice. One is I move physically. I get up and I move my body. And whether that's, I mean, it takes lots of different forms, running, jumping around, dancing, walking, whatever. I move my body. I get into a place of expression where I'm moving. And that does several things. It gets me out of myself because sometimes I really don't feel like it. I feel like lying in bed longer or sleeping. <laughs> and if I tell myself I'm getting up at a certain time, I do kind of like the Mel Robbins, five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. <laughs> and, and so I physically move. It gets me out of myself and that's key. The other thing is I, I take time to be still and to listen. Some people call it meditation. Some people call it stillness practice. Some people call it just sitting quietly and doing nothing. Just be still. Be still and listen. And I don't mean listen to the human chattering mind. I mean listen to the space that doesn't include the chatter. When you drop the chatter, you're left with space, the space that is filled with all, the space that is filled with, as you mentioned, intuition, that is filled with the all-knowing mind. So I connect to that every day. And actually, I want to correct myself, because connecting to it 
would imply that I'm disconnected from it at some point, which I can never be. So I spend time being at one with it. I can never get outside of mind. If I'm an idea in mind, I'm part of, I'm at one with. So spending time being at one with mind, being silent. I read spiritual text every day. I, I do a form of what a lot of people have come to know as affirmations, where I declare what I know to be true about myself and others so that I'm not buying into the illusions that the five physical senses would try to tell me are true and real. So I have a practice of doing that. And I do something where, that I call you know, treating myself daily so that I take myself through sometimes short, sometimes longer, depending on the needs, looking at what is it I'm feeling today? Am I feeling doubtful? Am I feeling nervous about something? Am I feeling hesitant? Am I feeling really confident? Am I feeling really busy or active? Just taking kind of taking stock of where my thought is and then making sure that I'm thinking clearly for the day, setting myself up for clarity. And what I mean by that is setting myself up in alignment with source, setting myself up, setting my thinking up to declare that I am aligned with the all of life the intelligence of mind, the expression of soul. So that everything that I'm doing is coming out from a place of perfection. I'm not groveling up from imperfection to try to reach perfection. Starting with perfection and working your way out from there. And it makes everything, people talk about being in flow, it makes everything flow. Or, if I get to junctures where I don't feel in flow, I'm much more readily av available to the, the spiritual sense of things is much more readily available to me because I've confirmed it as I've started my day. The end of all of that is really pray about the world. You know, be aware of what's going on and what are the, what are the, the prominent beliefs that are presenting themselves in the world right now. And Pray about it. Really understand, you know, flipping the error to find the truth. It's like the two, two sides of a coin. If you see an erroneous belief, flip it over. If somebody in your life is being really selfish, see them as unselfish and understand why they are. Don't identify them with what they're presenting to you. Make the space available for them to show up as their best self but you have to see it first before they can show up in, in your presence as that, or they're just going to keep spitting in their, the, the soup that they're in. What do you feel about, um, and I've heard this and sometimes I've said it myself, when we see something in somebody else, we're actually seeing something in ourselves, like we're mirroring something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we see it in others because we don't want to face it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's like we project it. And there's a lot of talk about that in sort of psychological realms. But I think there is a spiritual underpinning of truth there that if, we're, if we see it, then if we see it in someone else, we're seeing it in ourselves, whether we're aware of it or not. We're believing that that's possible. 
if I see it in someone else, I believe that's possible for them. If I believe it's possible for them, then I'm believing it's possible for man, which includes me, because well, we're all one. We're all one. My, my point I was going to kind of bring back around to this is what I love that you said is you said, if you see something like somebody feels like they're being selfish to you. So what I think is happening, what I'm seeing is happening because I'm a seer. What I see is happening is that you're holding that energetic space to open up that all that you're talking about, all of the possibilities of them. So it's almost like when you see the selfishness, right? You're almost like looking like this because maybe we are doing something like that. But then when you transition and say, I'm going to see their all, as you call it, the perfectionism or the, not perfectionism, but the, the allness, what you're doing, I believe is transitioning the energy by dropping that and then looking at the expansiveness of them and transitioning the energy, meaning Maybe it was selfishness. Maybe you were being selfish. Maybe they were being selfish. But when you look at it a different perspective, you've thrown away that negative energy and opened up the possibility of, yeah, I mean, I think we're saying kind of the same thing. I think I might articulate it a little bit differently in a couple of little ways, just because for me, the, um, as you know, as you've said, you know, words have power. So I just, I, I get down to like being really clear in the way I articulate things because I want to be accurate to spiritual law. So when I see someone as selfish, I'm not seeing their reality. I'm not seeing the truth about them. I'm seeing an illusion of sense. I'm seeing an illusion of a limited version of a human that's egoically based because that a sense of selfishness can exist in the divine realm. So the only way that I could see selfishness, and we're saying the same thing, I just kind Mm -hmm. of say it differently. The only way that I could see that is if I'm seeing a separate ego. I'm seeing somebody separate from source. Because if I'm seeing the real man, if I'm seeing the true identity of that individual, it does not include selfishness. So Mm -hmm. my thought adjusted to see beyond, see through, see the illusory nature of selfishness. See, well, that has to be a lie because that's not true about God's man. So now I've just introduced the idea that, oh, there's something being presented that's not accurate. I'm going to go deeper and see, as you kind of say, kind of expand the vision, expand the perception, I'm going to see the true man of God's creating, which doesn't include that and only includes love and fullness and abundance and the ability to give. So that in that view of man, the other just naturally drops away. It doesn't exist in the true view, which is essentially how Jesus healed. He saw the real man so clearly that the disease just wasn't apparent anymore. And he demonstrated this scientific law of perfection. Yeah, so I do think basically we're the saying the same thing, but the word that I used about transition is the thing yeah. that's a little different because when you see it, did you hold that space for that person to move their energy and start healing 
by your conscious awareness of a behavior that might have not been supportive of them. And so yeah, I'm think- saying in the conscious awareness, I think that's what's kind of cool about what you're saying uh, with your talk is that uh, I was just kind of trying to bring it back to, I really believe when you were talking about what you see on the other side and that experience at 18, that so many illusions aren't real. And with your perception of an insight of the all and the truth that you talk about, that in that moment, you with your energy help to transition that, that, that energy through, like it it went through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yes. I, I, I believe that the clear vision of the truth makes it available to anyone present. It's available. Does it mean that people will get it always in that instant right away? Sometimes the illusions are pretty thick and pretty strong and people get distracted and they can't see it. But absolutely, it's just like when, when I just, I remember an experience when I was years ago, um, was in this very codependent, destructive relationship. And when I came out of that experience, I had actually an instantaneous healing of that, of being addicted to this person, which was a really interesting experience. But the instant that it broke, it was like waking up from a dream. It was very interesting, that moment of healing. Before that moment of healing, I had been in a big struggle and I'd gone to the West Coast to visit some girlfriends of mine who knew me really, really well. And being around them helped me see my true self because they saw the real me. And I had been so mesmerized in this dream of this codependent relationship that I had lost sight of myself. And being around them, seeing me reminded me, oh, yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. When we see someone clearly, we give them the opportunity to see that reflected back at them, and then they can see it more clearly. Mm -hmm. And that's where healing occurs. I mean, absolutely. So when a spiritual practitioner sees through the illusion to the core of their being, and doesn't buy the picture, doesn't buy the illusion. It's like, I'm not giving it any power at all. I see right through to the core of your being. People get healed. That's, you know, that's when healing happens. I think it's honestly, it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. It is that simple. And it is that instantaneous. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like children are so cool around this because they are so quick to drop the beliefs. They're so quick to drop the illusion. When they see something better, something different, they're alert to, they just go to that. They don't hang on. Like it's only the adult, the adult trained thinking people that hold on to these old stories and go, oh, well, you know, I got hurt in that accident two years ago and I have this thing and I, you know, I can't ever, it's like, is it happening in this moment? No. Therefore, it does not exist. There's only now. But we hold on to these stories and beliefs and we carry them forward for generations. Ancestry, you know, ancestral problems. And oh, yeah, all the women in my family get mentally ill when they're in their. Everybody has arthritis, everybody has heart condition, whatever. It's like if we would drop the story and be available to what's true, we wouldn't be held in these prisons of heredity 
ancestral issues. I wanted to talk a little bit about business and how this alignment piece of what you're talking about would apply to a person's self in their business. That's a really good question. Um, I honestly feel that everything comes back to how we view ourselves. Who we show up as in the world is absolutely dependent on how we view who we are. And if we don't know who we are, we can't go out and be the best person, the best version of ourselves. So there's a, there's a program I have called See You to Be You, or Choose to Be You is another program. But if you can see who you are, you can be who you are. If you can see the reality of your true self, then you can express that. If you can't see it, you're not going to be able to express it. So whether you're in business, relationships, family, it doesn't matter which arena on the outside you're playing in, whether it's business or home or whatever, no matter what arena it is, you have to be able to see yourself, see your true self. I used to go to restaurants with, um, with clients. And this was back in the day when smoking was allowed in restaurants. So they'd always have an ashtray in the middle of the table. A lot of times it was a round, like glass ashtray, right? So I would, since I never smoked, I would always use the ashtray as my little example piece. So you're, just think of the round edge of the ashtray as kind of a lens, right? And if you're a little person standing in the middle of this circle and you look out through the lens, outside the ashtray, all around the circle are all your different experiences, your work, your relationship at home, your friends, your social life, your activities, all the different things that you engage in as a human, right? Mm -hmm. When you look out, every lens has a focal distance. So when you're in the right focal distance, so when you're standing in the center, you're looking out to no matter which direction you look, everything's in focus. As soon as you step off that center point and try to reach out and change something, say you're having an issue in your business and you try to, you try to humanly reach out and shift it and change it, not only does that go out of focus, but everything in your sphere goes out of focus. So what does it mean to be on the center point, to be in the focal distance of this lens? What it means to be on that center point is when you are connected to, when you are at one with your highest sense of self. That's when you know who you are. When you know who you are, every action, every thought, every motive, is aligned with your highest purpose and your highest self. As soon as you try to egoically go out and change something because you think you know better from your intellect, you're shifting the focal distance for everything in your life. When you start operating out of ego, everything goes out of balance because the whole premise of an egoic consciousness is I am separate from. I am my own thing out here on the side. I'm not connected to source. And there I can use the word connected because the ego disconnects us in thought from source. It's not ever actually possible, but if you believe that's what you're doing, you are going to experience pain and suffering, good and evil, up and down, that roller coaster of life. So what does that tell you? Two things. 
when you're experiencing the roller coaster, you know you need to get back on the center point. When things are out of focus, you know you need to get back on the center point. It's like these big red flags. When things are out of focus, it's a big red flag to you. You know what you need to do. Get back on the center point. Get aligned with your highest sense of self first and operate from that standpoint. Look out from that perspective to everything and then you will see clearly what to do. Lisa, I am sure that you have a free gift for um, everybody that's been listening today. So could you tell us a little bit about it and how they could get it today? Yes, I am so excited, actually. We've been doing this thing called Morning Metaphys. It's a, it's a live gathering on Zoom every morning for only 15 minutes because everybody has days they need to get to. It happens at 7.30 Pacific time, 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. And in order for you to join the group for free, this is very exciting, go to lisataylor.us, not .com, .us, kind of like zoom.us, lisataylor.us. Navigate to Morning Metaphys. Go ahead and select that, put it in your cart. And then when you're checking out, in order to make it free, I want you to put in the code 1111 because that is the number for angels. And this is an angelic thought. So put in the code 1111 and that coupon will make the balance zero and when you check out, I think you may actually still need to put in a credit card for it to go through, but it's not going to be charging you anything. Put in 1111, you will get it for nothing, and then you'll get the information with the Zoom number and the password to get into the Zoom meeting and all of that. And then it's just up to you to join the Zoom meeting at 730 in the morning. And I'm so excited. I can't wait for all of you to join me and join us as a group. It's a really inspiring time. And then you can check it out and see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can sign up for the next month because we do kind of a month to month thing. So I absolutely invite you to join us and see if you would enjoy being a part of that. Thank you so much, Lisa. And what a generous gift. Thank you and have such a great evening. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.